0: Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Come back. I want to take you to um, some of the words that we, song, we sang earlier, Jehovah. Thanks, thanks Jack. We are sang these beautiful words um, of this song that I want us to pray over us together. And, In this song, Jehovah, it it has these words that firstly give us God's name. It says, Jehovah Nissi. That's a name for God in the Old Testament. And it means the God who fights my battles. Another name of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means God who meets my needs. He provides for me. Another name for God is Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. Another name is Jehovah Shalom. He's the God who brings peace or gives us peace. This is who he is. And so as we dive into the words today, I want to pray this over you, that God would be the one who fights your battles, that he'll be the one who provides, the one who heals and brings you peace in every season of life. We pray? Yes. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. And your word says clearly, God, that you are Jehovah Nissi, which means that you are the God who fights our battles. Father, you are Jehovah Jireh, meaning the one who meets our needs. You are Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals our body. And you are the God, the the Jehovah Shalom, who gives us peace. Father, I pray for everybody who needs healing of their body today, they'll be healed. For everybody who needs them meeting, their, their, their needs met, that you would meet them. Those that need us need you to fight for them. God, that you'll be fighting for your people here today. As like it says in Exodus fourteen fourteen, 14, you are the God who fights for us. All we need to do is be still. And, the, and that those who are, feel like they're in t- turmoil and need peace, Father, pray that you give them your peace. Philippians 4 says, Your peace is the peace that goes beyond all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So give your peace to your people, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the Word today? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Saskia, for your enthusiasm. That's great. Let's try that again. Are you ready for the Word today? I want want to see these ones. Let's do these ones. Yeah, again. Are you ready for the Word today? Yes. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, let's do that more often. That can be our new cultural thing in our church. When we ask the question, are we ready for the wedding? Yeah. When I, when I was um, at, at, at Tabor College, um, the, principal, the principal named Barry Chant used to get us to yell and cheer when, when it was time for the offering because the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. So he would say, everyone, it's time for the offering. And everyone would go, "Woo! let's try it. It's time for the offering. Yeah, like, that's nowhere near as good as it needs to be, Yeah. Cheerful giver, all right let 's pray, Father, thank you for this day, thank you for your word. we thank you for who you are. we pray you speak to us in Jesus name. Amen. Four years ago, four years ago, I went holidays with my family at our favorite holiday place it's a place where there's, where there's an ocean and in a lake, and half the time the ocean and the lake are joined as the water comes in and goes out with a river and we've been there many, many times, and it's a really great place and we are loved to swim across the channel or across the river. Sometimes it's 10 metres wide, other times it's 50 metres wide. Um, and, we've, and we've done that for many times over many years. But four years ago, I had my kayak and I put Joel in the back of the kayak or in the front and Alicia between my legs and I paddled across the, the, the channel onto the sandbar. We left the kayak on the sandbar and we got out and we started walking up the sandbar towards the ocean. Are you picturing this? Good. And then Joel says to me, who is here today, my my son who I love, Joel, please stand up. Let's just celebrate my son, Joel. Isn't he? Isn't he handsome? I wonder where you get your good looks from, son. I have no idea. His mother. His mother. Yeah, go on, say it. His mother. Right? And, and, And Joel says to me, Dad, do you mind if I swim back across the channel? And I'm like, that's fine, Joel. We swam across that channel many, many times. But the difference today was the channel was wider than what it normally was. And the water was running faster out to the ocean, faster than what it normally is. So Joel's swimming across the channel, and I've got Alicia, who's about six years old, and we're walking through this much water, and we're walking back to the kayak. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound that freaks me out, and it's this, Dad, help me. And I swing my head, and Joel is swimming, trying to get to the other side, and he's struggling. Now. If you're a parent, your kids have different sorts of tones of their voices, right? And it wasn't, Dad, help me, like I'd be an idiot. He was like freaking out in danger, and my heart went, oh, this kid's in trouble. Now, what happened was, as he swim across the, swimming across the channel, he got, he got sucked towards the ocean, which makes sense, but he, but he went up a long way, and then he started to swim against the current. Now, do we swim against channels and currents? No, you swim across them, but was swimming against it. And so he was getting tired and I had Alicia, who's six, in the water and Joel's calling for help. Oh dear, I'm in trouble. So I pick Alicia up, I race right over to the sandbar and then, I, and then I, running back towards Joel, I hear him scream again, dad, help, oh dear, I dive in and swim as fast as I can and I get about halfway across. I look up and there were these two ladies who were on the other side. He went across and grabbed Joel by the hand and pulled him out. Maybe they were angels. Maybe they were angels. And I was like, oh, we're okay. Swim back, got a leash, I got in the kayak. Everybody was okay. That was a traumatic experience for me, majorly traumatic. We were in the, we were, he was in the water. I heard Joel. I turned my head and I saw him. And because of my heart of care and compassion for him, I went in to save him. Praise God, angels came, ladies came, saved him but I didn't have to do that. But that's what happened in my heart today. My message for you is this. God sees you. God hears you. God cares for you. You know, in life we go through seasons and some of those seasons are really tough. Some of those seasons we thrive, but there's always some sort of area of our life where it isn't like we want it to be. Hey, And we can cry out to God and say, God, I need you in this season. I need you in this circumstance. I need you in this relationship. I need you in this area of resource or finance, or I'm struggling in bad mindsets or bad habits. God, I need you. My message for you today is that God sees you in that moment. He hears your prayers, and he cares deeply for you. I want to take you to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 where Moses hears from God and Moses speaks to his people who are in slavery in Egypt. And he says this, The Lord says, I have indeed seen, God sees the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard, God hears, them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned, I care about their suffering. The context of this passage is as I said before, God's people are in Egypt, and they've been there for about 400 years. How did they get to Egypt? Well, God's people were in Canaan, and Jacob, if you know the story of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, or if you've read it in the Bible, there's Jacob, who's later his name changed to Israel, and he has these sons, and one of his sons is called Joseph, and the other brothers don't like him, and they sell him as a slave into Egypt, Ends up at someone's house, gets put in prison, interprets dreams, becomes second in charge of Egypt. Celebrated, heaps of authority, and God gives him a dream that there's going to be a famine, fat cows, skinny cows, if you know the story in the Bible, and there's going to be a famine, and God says to store up grain. So that for seven years, they store up grain, and then the years of famine's come. And two years into this famine, Joseph's brothers come down to Egypt And they find out that he's Joseph and God brings his family, Jacob and his children and their wives and their kids and their herds and their flocks from Canaan down to Egypt to a place called Goshen in Egypt where they live and they thrive and they have kids and they have more kids and they have property and they have thriving and they start to build wealth and all this stuff. Great things happen. And then after a few most likely hundred years a new pharaoh or a new king comes to town who doesn't know about Joseph, where the story has not been passed on from generation to generation. And this pharaoh gets concerned about these Hebrew people who are living in the land. He's concerned that maybe another nation may come and join up with them and there'll be like a civil war and take over the nation. Or they might leave and they have no other people in their economy. There was all these challenges and so the Pharaoh says, I'm going to make them slaves. And the people are oppressed and put into slavery for how long? We're not told. But remember, the people, came. they were in Egypt for 430 years in total. Joseph came and he lived till he was 110, so it was about 80 years. And then there was probably another few generations where they still told the story. So we're not told, but maybe. They were enslaved for 100 years, 150 years. We're not told, maybe that long. And from generation after generation, God's people are oppressed and struck down and pushed down and squashed. And God's people cry out, God, save us. Let me read read it to you from Exodus chapter 1. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So, the, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them and with forced labor. And they built two cities, Pythian and Ramses, as storehouses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Last verse. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. You know, we all go through hard seasons in life. Their whole life was hard. It says in verse 10 that they were oppressed, they were squashed into forced labour. In verse 12, it says they were hated by the Egyptians. In verse 13, it says they were worked ruthlessly, meaning they were worked without compassion. Now, these people knew the promises of God through Abraham I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a great land. And through you, the whole world is going to be blessed. And they're thinking, God, that's not our reality. We're not, we're not blessed. We're squashed. We're oppressed. Where are these promises that you've given us? Where's this land that you've given us? How, is, how are we being blessed by you right now? God, do something. And that's how you may feel today. You may feel oppressed in a certain area of your life. You may feel squashed. You may feel let down. You may feel like you're stuck. You might feel there's a situation that's out of control. Or something like in an area of your life where, you're not, where it's not how you want it to be. And you're crying out to God, God, where are you? God, do something. God, change this. And you might be thinking that your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. But the message I have for you today, just like the message God gave to the the Hebrews, He says, I'm the God who sees you, I'm the God who hears you, and I'm the God who cares for you. Therefore, we can trust Him. We can hold tight to Him. We can rely upon Him, knowing that He hears, that He cares, and He sees. And it's in this context, Exodus 3, 7 again, that God says to to Moses to tell the people, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God is the God who sees. God is the God who hears. God is the God who cares. And it's not just... In the Old Testament, we see this. We see it in the New Testament. Here's a picture of Zacchaeus, everybody. There's an actor today. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And Jesus sees him. Now, if you're a tax collector at the time of Jesus, it was good for you financially, but relationally, it was awful. If you're a tax collector, you were employed by the Romans and you're most probably a Jew... And you're taking money from your own people and giving it to their oppressors. So the Jews didn't like them. But worse than that, the, the uh, tax collectors took more than what they should. They stole from their own people. They'd give some to Rome and they keep things to themselves. So they were wealthy. They had lots of things. They had Mercedes Benz. And they had five-story houses that overlooked Cronulla Beach. Wow, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? They had spas and lap pools and what else they have? Flat screens. They have a horse. Did someone say horses? I don't know what you're saying, Bill. Louder. A bougie, horse. a bougie horse. I don't know what that is. That's okay. They're expensive. They have all these luxury. They have all these luxury things while the Jews are under Roman oppression. So they were wealthy, but they were but they were rejected by their community. Their community didn't like them because they stole from them. And Jesus turns up to this town. It's in it's, you know, Luke chapter 19. And Jesus has got crowds and his people are around him and he's teaching and he's talking. And this Zacchaeus says, I want to see Jesus. I've heard about what he's done. I've heard about what he said. So he's a little man. I can relate to that. And so he climbs a tree so that he can see. This is a really good stage. I can see all your faces because if I was down here, Diane, you disappeared. Angie, where are you again? There you go. But up here, I can see you. Yeah, And he looks from a tree and he sees Jesus. And Jesus is talking and looking at all the people and all of a sudden he stops. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He looks up. And he makes, takes time from all the other people. The people around him. He says, Zacchaeus, I see you. I'm going to come to your house today. And his life is radically, radically changed as Jesus says. Salvation has come to this man's house today. He was lost, but now he's found Jesus saw him. And in your situation, whatever you're in, in your responsibilities where you're carrying this weight, as you're trying to provide for your family, as you go back to school this week, and everyone says, yeah. God sees you. God sees you. Second story. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is on his way to Jericho. And people know he's coming. So the crowds, he's coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming to our town. And so they don't wait for him to come. They run out of the town. Jesus is here. So they run out to the town and they hide Jesus and shake his hand. And, Can you bless me, Jesus? Can you pray for my son? Tell me about the Father. And all this, all this crowd is around him as Jesus is walking towards Jericho. And all these people that are around him are yelling and shouting. And there's these two blind guys on the side of the road. And they're blind, so they can't see, but they can hear. And they hear the commotion. They say, what's going on? What's happening? And someone in the crowd says, Jesus of Nazareth has has come our way. He's passing by. And at that, the blind girl yells out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Notice the different titles. One man says, Jesus, Son of Nazareth, the man from Nazareth, the man from Nazareth. The blind man man says, Jesus, son of David, the one who is prophesied from David's line, the king to come. He had a different perspective of who Jesus was. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is surrounded by people from the city: mums and dads and kids, people who are wealthy, people who are average, people who are trying to work out life. And Jesus stops. And he goes over to the blind guy because Jesus hears him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Jesus heals him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He heard the blind man. And number three, Jesus cares. In Matthew chapter 14, it's the story of the 5,000 And there's people everywhere, 5,000 men plus women and children. There's 10,000, 12,000, 13,000 people are there. And the people have all come and Jesus is walking through the crowds and, and there's so many of them and he looks at them and says, these people need a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're looking for guidance. They have these religious leaders who are supposed to teach them about my father but no one's teaching them. They're lost. They need a guide. And the scripture says that Jesus had compassion on them and healed the sick. He sat them down and fed them and then eventually sent them away after he taught them and fed them and healed them. Jesus cares. Jesus cares for his people. My message for you today is this. God sees you. God hears you. God cares for you. You know, four years ago when Joel was in the water, when he yelled out, man, my heart went, (gasps) as I heard him, I immediately turned to see him. And my heart went, because I cared for him. And I reckon as a dad or a mum or a grandparent, we get a greater glimpse of the father heart of God towards his kids. Now it's a glimpse, we're made in his image, but we've, we've sinned and we've marred and Yes, we have some characteristics of God, but he's so much greater than anyone or anything. And we get a glimpse of that father-son, father-daughter, mother-son, mother-daughter relationship in our care for our kids. But the Bible tells us that God the Father cares for us more than any dad would care for their son or their daughter or greater than any mom would care for their son or daughter. God's love for you is so profound and so strong, it's greater than anything you could ever imagine. And in your difficulty when you feel oppressed and squashed, when things aren't going the way you want, when there's relationship strife, when you're struggling financially, when you have the thing you have to do or you're carrying this weight of a circumstance or a situation. As you cry out to Him, God sees you today. God hears you. And God cares for you. I want us to sit in that for a moment. Just to sit in it. You know, sometimes God gives revelation, meaning that you read something in the Bible and you understand it, and you get it here. But what, but, but I, what I mean by revelation is when it goes from here to here. I was... Um, Riding my push bike the other day, down to the river down at um, Reesby. and I was listening, to, and, I, and I listened to Nicky Gumbel's Bible in a Year. Oh, it's so good. I love Nicky Gumbel. He's amazing, and he does this big. Koops, you're doing it, aren't you? Is it good? It's amazing, isn't it? And He does this big introduction, then he reads a New Testament, some Old Testament passage, sort of thing. And, and one of the things he said is Jesus is going to make everything new when he comes back to make everything new and when he said that oh revelation hit me and since that two weeks ago I've been looking at the world different now I've been looking at the river like the river that I can swim across because there's no bull sharks because God Jesus is going to make it all new no bull sharks and there's blue tongue lizards that aren't going to bite my toes off (laughs) and Cronulla Beach where there's where there's no risk of drowning because of a rip and I'm thinking this life is really good but wow, Jesus is going to make it all new, and it's going to be like a whole new level. It's like getting Play- Joel, PlayStation 1, and then getting PlayStation 5. Wow, this is like PlayStation 1. PlayStation 5 is coming when he makes it all new. And, that's, and I share that because that's a revelation that the Lord's given me. So I'm starting to see things differently. Back onto this. My prayer is that God gives you a revelation today of this that right now in this moment, that you'll just not know it, but you'll have it here, that God sees you today. He hears you today and cares for you today. And no matter what season you go through in life, you can trust Him. You can rely on Him. You can hold tight to Him because He sees you, He cares you, He cares for you and He hears you. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows what the future looks like. And sometimes things don't happen in the way that We expect them to happen or want them to happen or God doesn't do it in the way that you expect God to do it. But he still loves you and he cares for you and he's fighting for you and he's bringing all things together for his good and your good according to his purpose. You know, when I jumped in that river and swimming across to save Joel, I expected to get to the other side and pull him out like a superhero. But that's not what happened. Two lovely ladies, angels, pulled him out of the water I didn't expect that, but it's a picture of what God does. Dad was coming, but the ladies were there. And in life, you know, God, you might expect God to do this, but actually, it happens here, or it happens here, or it happens here. When we prayed for Mel around the MS stuff, and she got healed from all those symptoms that we had, it was in the last hour of the prayer meeting and our whole day of prayer. Let's just pray for people. We had no, we had no expectation to be healed. That doesn't sound right, does it? That's not the prayer of faith. But we said, let's pray for Mel like we've done in the past. But that time, that moment, God healed. Let's be people who trust him. Hold tight to him. Knowing that he sees you, hears you, and cares for you. Let's bow our heads. Come on, worship team. And for 30 seconds, I just want you to sit. And allow these, these, these truths from Exodus chapter 3, 7, God sees, God hears, God cares, to become a reality for you, to become a revelation for you in your life. That they'll be true. Bring to Him, church, your struggles, the situations that you think are outside, anything that could be ever fixed or changed. Bring to him your burdens. Bring to him your struggles. Jehovah Nisi fights my battles. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.